Welcome to Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum. Hi, I'm Marcus Richardson. And I'm Nathan Hicken. Welcome to the podcast where we tell original murder mystery stories and we solve them as well. Nathan, before we start today, which I'm so excited for, yet again, you are the curator, you <laughs> wonderful weaver of twisted tales of the most complex, the most satisfying mysteries. Before we get to that, a really important announcement, which is thank you so much to all the listeners that have reviewed the show and have donated to the show. Yes, thank you guys so much. It's been honestly incredible seeing you guys respond to us and give us feedback and just interact with us. It's been really cool to see you and it motivates us us to continue making these things. So it's been a blast. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, I love it when people have said in their review or or their donation, they're like, keep it up. And I'm like, (laughs) you are doing the exact thing to encourage us. Like we would keep it up, but knowing that there are people out there who are enjoying this show means uh more than we can say yeah i mean maybe it's because you guys really like the show or maybe it's because (laughs) you guys know we are going to start picking names from those uh (laughs) from those people who comment on these things to murder or be murdered uh probably be murdered is (laughs) what i'm feeling right now but (laughs) yet to be seen I'm, i'm very excited uh to start shouting out some of our wonderful listeners um giving some people the honor of being murdered on a podcast Honestly, it's a, that's like a bucket list out of mine. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, w- what a shame. Nathan has only been the murderer on a podcast. I know multiple times too. <laughs> multiple it. times. One time unintentionally. <laughs> I guess that's robot slaughter most recently. But. Oh, that I, that trauma is still fresh. So, <laughs> oh. well, uh, let let's get our minds off of fresh trauma and instead, actually, speaking of listeners, one of our listeners, uh, Jelly Button. I think is how you say his name. He said, hey, by the way, um, if you want to have better mini mysteries, you should look up Hi Conrad, who's a a murder mystery author. And first of all, thank you so much for uh, noticing our absolute uh, (laughs) disappointment and sadness with our recent batch of murder Uh, mysteries. We need new recommendations, so thank you. We needed new recs, and uh, boy, howdy, uh, you gave us an, an amazing rec. Um, we reached out to him. He he may be guesting on the podcast, um, but for now, he gave us permission to use some of his mini mysteries on his website, and we're going to leave a, a link in the description. Uh, they're very cool, but to sort of warm us up, even though I will be the detective for the <laughs> upcoming exhibit, I think I will kind of narrate, facilitate this mini mystery. And... Nathan, since I actually already know the answer, the solution to this mystery, uh, I think you need a Watson. A Watson yes, of please. the week, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, a little more. A little more, please. <clears throat> yes, hello there. Yes, let me help you. <gasps> Watson, is that you? Oh my gosh. Yes, it's his eye. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> uh, listeners of the show will recognize the voice of Jared, my brother, who has been a part of this show uh, from the start. But you may know me better as the voice of the curator. 
and I've been here the whole time. That's great. Can we please request that you use that voice uh, always? <laughs> Th- throughout the rest of this episode? Uh-huh. Oh, yes. yeah. Uh-huh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Marcus has almost clinched the mystery. Oh, oh. But how little he still knows. Let's see if he can figure out the rest yo nathan a uh, color commentator like just to be here actually sounds that is like incredible I'm, I'm actually down marcus if you want to like write me into one of your mysteries and i only chime in with like specific lines that you've written for me so you're just advance. on the call and I'm we just wait on for... the call but then i provide the performance live it'll be more authentic because then he can like bounce off me. oh my That's... gosh honestly Oh man! Oh, we should talk about this off mic. This uh, yes, that sounds <laughs> some amazing. Great ideas! Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be awesome. But but in all seriousness, though, thanks for letting me on. It's great to be here with you. Marcus is my my co-host on uh, a podcast called Level with Us. Or were you about to just about to bring that up? Uh, I I never talk about other podcasts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jared and I do a video game podcast called Level with Us. Um, and in the same way that this is my baby, uh, I, sorry, in the same way that this is something I edit, uh, that is a podcast Jared as it edits. It is a wonderful quality. And occasionally we've done uh, light role playing on the show as well, even though it's uh, centrally a cozy video game discussion podcast. But And everyone listening <laughs> to this podcast should go listen to that one. Yes. That's what you're going to say, right? Yeah. yeah. Stop listening right now and go <laughs> hit the pause there. button. Hit the pods button. Come back here. <laughs> All right. But there are mysteries to be solved here. Uh, specifically, a suicidal murder by High Conrad. Oh. So I'm going to read this to both of you. Um, it's a short-ish mystery. And uh, to get all of our murder juices all warmed up. I don't like that phrase, but I said it. Mm, uh, yep. <laughs> murder juices. <laughs> Indeed. All right. I'm, I'm going to read this, and uh, then you guys are going to solve it. Here we go. Detective Bixby sighed and looked across to her son. You like impossible crimes. Why don't you take a look at this? Jonah and his mother were sitting across from each other at the kitchen table, both of them working on their homework for the evening. In Carol Bixby's case, the homework was a homicide investigation. Sure, Jonah liked any kind of crime, especially if it meant putting aside an English class assignment. What kind of impossible crime? He got up and walked around to look at the police reports spread out on the table. A murder made to look like a suicide, and she began to outline the case. Simon Wentworth had been found on the street in front of the building where he lived. It seemed that the young man used a screwdriver to remove the child safety bars from a window in his high-rise apartment. Then he jumped to his death. Among the photos was a picture of another window with the safety bar still attached to the outside of the building. Looks like the bars would be pretty tricky to remove, Jonah observed. They're supposed to be hard to remove, said Carol. Anyway, his prints were on the screwdriver and a suicide note was found in his room. No one else had been at home, according to the doorman, and his friends testified that he'd been moody and distracted lately. It's got all the markings of a suicide. Except, she sighed. We interviewed one of his neighbors, Carol continued. Simon shouted, no, 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 before he jumped, and he screamed all the way down. That doesn't sound like suicide, Jonah agreed. Carol nodded. It turns out Simon lived in an apartment with his older brother, Teddy. 
we found a partial print of Teddy's on the same screwdriver. So we had Simon's suicide note analyzed by an expert and found lots of similarities with Teddy's handwriting. To cap it off, it seems like the brothers had just taken out million dollar insurance policies on each other's life. Jonah picked up a photocopy of the suicide note. It was short and sweet. I can't go on with the pain anymore. Forgive me, little brother. You'll be better off without me. He examined the penmanship and saw that it did look a little unnatural with several fits and starts. What did Teddy say about his brother's death? Jonah asked. A cool customer, said Carol, shaking her head. He pretended to be distraught. He was the first to suggest that Simon's death might have been murder. Let me guess, Jonah said. Teddy Wentworth has an alibi. A great alibi. At the time Simon fell, Teddy was at his office on the phone to a client in Los Angeles. Maybe he was using a cell phone, Jonah suggested. No, said Carol, holding up a sheet of phone records. He was on the landline at his office. And don't forget the apartment doorman. He says Teddy didn't come in or out of the building all during that time. Good puzzle, said Jonah. He looked over the table full of papers and scanned them one by one. It's not a puzzle, Carol chided. It's serious. If we don't figure this out, a killer is going to go free. Well, I think I know what happened, Jonah said slowly, but you're not gonna like it. So nice of Detective Bixby to involve her son at such an early How many detectives do uh, this? Because books are full of, maybe you'll get a kick out of this, my seven-year-old, eight-year-old. Do, do detectives have like a, any kind of thing they sign, like any kind of non-disclosure they agreement have like to. doctors they do? Have to. Nathan says no? <laughs> I mean, in all the crime dramas on TV, they, they're talking to their yeah. spouse about the, the heart case they're Talk on, to I the guess, friend so. at the bar. I guess it's not that weird. Yeah. The friend that's, at the bar turns out to know the murderer or be the murderer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, okay. So, so any theories, Nathan, right off the bat? So we're trying to figure out how... I have one. Oh, you have a theory right off the bat. Okay, okay. Right, well, I, it requires a, a, an extra detail, but I wanted to hear your thoughts first. Oh, well, I was just going to summarize what we're trying to figure out. So basically, we're trying to figure out how the brother could have murdered the other brother if he was across town in his office taking a call at this mm-hmm. supposed time of death but what are your thoughts if you have if you have that i cannot solve i do not know the dilemma to mm. that one but i did think i heard a discrepancy and i'm not sure if that's true so marcus can you please remind me who is the older brother and what did the note say yes uh, carol bigsby says it turns out simon lived in the apartment with his older brother teddy Okay. And then what did the note say? The note said, I can't go on with the pain anymore. Forgive me, little brother. You'll be better off without me. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So my theory is that they both took insurance policies against each other. So my theory is it was supposed to go the other way. That maybe the, the suicide note, it was written by him, but Simon was planning to off teddy if that makes sense because mm. the the note was written as if yeah. it were teddy um so he said they were like oh the handwriting almost kind of matches teddy well teddy didn't write it i think simon wrote it but then he ended up being the he said no 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 because he wasn't supposed to be the one to go yeah. out the window so that's my guess is he it wasn't teddy did not murder well maybe he murdered simon but it wasn't supposed to go down that way originally um, I think Simon planned this all out, but I don't know how to account for the landline thing 
uh, he could have had someone else do the call, right? Like, it didn't, I'm not sure. If we just have, we have, we have the phone records, right? So the phone records say that the phone, the office is doing a call out to LA, right? Was that it? Is that right, uh, Yeah, his alibi is he was at his office on the phone to a client, specifically Teddy, yeah. Okay, and we know that time for sure. Yes. Okay, I think I think you're right with the Simon thing. See, the also that we know that the bell, the the person at the front, said they didn't see um, Teddy enter or leave the building. That doesn't say anything about Simon either. Mm-hmm. Also, are we sure that the body is Simon? I think we're given to yeah. accept that, but I guess there could have been a switch. Hmm. <laughs> I. It just says the body of Simon was found. It didn't, or or was there something else in that very first paragraph nope. that seemed screwy? Nope. Nope. Uh, I I think I think you can assume that all the identities here are as they say they are. Um, I'm supposed to be Watson. I'm supposed to have the the key clue. <laughs> yeah, right that moment, makes it right? all come together. Yeah. Oh, what we didn't think about the child safety bars. It's uh, uh, it's yes. like there's some screws. Wouldn't the screws be on the outside? So the bell person, the door boy, whatever, didn't, <laughs> door boy. didn't see him come in or out because he was climbing up to the bars to unfasten them? That doesn't really make sense. Uh, it doesn't say anything about secret passageways or... <laughs> no. Exactly. Or portals. You know, we don't know how, how advanced this tech is. <laughs> yeah, this could be in 2077, <laughs> right? Like... Maybe they have that's teleportation. That's so true. Hey, that's they did, They true. left that out. Um, I, I don't mean, know if, if this was if this was anything like the previous murders we did. Oh, there was an ice cube keeping <laughs> uh, the child grate open the, the whole time. Uh, oh, I love I love ice cube mysteries. I hate. It's the perfect murder weapon. It makes I, Marcus Richardson say that if there is an icicle stab weapon on this show. <laughs> I will stab myself with an icicle. But what Challenge if it's accepted. like, Marcus, what if it's a really cool fantasy murder mystery with a Yeti and uh, oh my a, gosh. That makes it Snow a little person. bit more okay. Okay, sick. okay. But what you're okay. saying is, hey. it wasn't an ice cube that phoned from Teddy's office. Ugh. It is an ice cube. Darn it, you figured it, it out. It was an ice cube on the phone. It was it's an ice cube crime. all along. Uh, it is the it's like Bubble Buddy. <laughs> yeah, That's it's just there on the receiver, slowly melting to a puzzle puddle. Oh, man. It's his okay. first time. Well, hey, I, I'm just going to ask you guys some questions, and, and you guys can, can say your answers. Uh, le- uh, objection, leading the witness. <laughs> yeah. Leading the detective. Uh, go for it. All right. First question, who killed Simon Wentworth? I think Teddy did. I mean, it yeah. could be the neighbor, but I, I think Teddy did. And it might have been an accident, but yeah, Teddy. He's our only named car- named suspect, so I'm bet Well, besides us and our mom, but I'm, I'm going to say Teddy. <laughs> Jonah's like, Mom, you're not going to like this. I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> this homework was actually just covering up my crime. I don't know if you noticed that, but... <laughs> The, the second part of the story is Jonah removes his homework from the table and you see it wasn't his homework at all. It was he arranges a it warrant this. for his arrest. <laughs> You're not going to like this. You're not going to like this one. <laughs> there's like a bloody handprint on it oh, <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> it shows that he's been writing over and over again. 
uh, you're better on without me, little brother, just over and over again, <laughs> affecting the handwriting. <laughs> Mom's like, I thought you were just practicing your calligraphy. Oh my gosh. All right. So that actually was a case of me leading the witness because uh, I think a better question would have been me to ask, was it a murder or was it a suicide? Because Jared, you were very, very astute in uh, saying that it could have been an accident. Yeah. But that, I mean, so I, I, neither, I guess like murder, someone died, but I don't think it was a suicide. I don't think it was even an attempted suicide. I think it was an attempted murder that went awry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could read the answer. Would you guys like to to postulate a bit more before I do that? Well, what else do we need to figure out? Do we? Just I need don't to think there's any the landline. That mm, no. Nope. Did we already land on it? He just used so, had someone else make the call. Um, how about I read the description? Oh, he was preparing to murder him and accidentally fell out himself. That's... No one pushed him. Yes. Oh, I thought there was a struggle, yeah. but okay. So he so he was trying to remove the bars no, and no, he no. screwed up literally. <laughs> Big time. Hey, got him oh. uh, astute because it did not say there was any sign of struggle. It did say that there was a screwdriver that had, you know, prints. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so that is I think closer to what we're looking for. Can I read you guys the solution? Go for it. Jonah picked up the suicide note and pointed out to two words. It says little brother here, Mm. but it should say big brother. Teddy was older than Simon, right? Yeah. Carol studied the note again. That's weird. Well, what if Teddy didn't kill Simon? What if it was just the opposite? What if Simon was planning to kill Teddy? He writes a suicide note trying to mimic Teddy's handwriting. Then he leans out the window and unscrews the safety bars. He's getting ready for when Teddy comes home from work. But Simon loses his balance and falls. An accident. Simon is not only the victim, he's also the killer. What about the evidence, Carol protested? Teddy's prints on the screwdriver. A household screwdriver. Both of them used it. They both had million dollar insurance policies. And if you're planning to kill your brother, you'd probably be moody and distracted too. It makes sense, Carol said reluctantly. I guess we were looking at the wrong brother. And scene. Bum, bum, bum. Just like us, when people called me Marcus by accident because of my outrageous good looks and killer voice. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yes, it's it's famously well known on this audio medium that I look good. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think all the listeners agree with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get in the comments. No. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Well done, Jared. I think that I correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan. I think he took a little more Sherlock oh, yeah. role. He he kind of that was he great. put that together. <laughs> yes, it was me. It I was, was the detective the whole time. Uh, that was awesome. Thank Jared. you for inviting me on. I did not mean to steal all of Nathan's thunder. Oh no, that's but... great. I enjoy being able to bask in the glory of a detective. So. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we're both, you know, just working on our audio rapport, getting used to to having people on the podcast, basically saying that you're you're a guinea pig. You're oh. a hamster. <laughs> a ha- you're, oh, hamsters don't <laughs> do so well on this yeah, show. Famously on this show, maybe not so much. Oh, excuse no. me. I'm going to go eat peace. some uncooked beans. <laughs> no! no! Don't do it! Not again! Not again! 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Jared, it's a pleasure. You've always been a part of the show, but it's great to spotlight you a yeah. little more uh, closely. Oh, I, I really appreciate it. You're welcome to invite me on anytime, as long as I get to do a silly voice for it. Deal. Easy. Okay, Done. great. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Uh, and listeners, again, uh, check out Level With Us. It's self-promotion because I'm on it. So, Nathan, you say it. Oh, it's fantastic. I would highly recommend Fake Fan Fantasy. That's probably been some of my favorite episodes so far, but it is a blast. So, yeah, I, I would actually say the same thing. If anyone's, uh, If you're not into video games, but you do like a little bit of role-playing and maybe watching Marcus squirm under the, <laughs> the weight of extremely love- difficult trivia questions. <laughs> hey, Jared, I got to say, this episode is going to be uh, a lot of Marcus squirming just in a little bit here. So <laughs> That's true. They'll get their fix. But uh, if you want more, if you can't get enough, uh, Fake Fan Fantasy 2 is definitely an episode I recommend. Yeah. Heck yeah. Marcus Thanks will for- link to it in the show notes, right, Marcus? That's right. You, you got me, brother. Okay, cool. So, hey, when do you write my check for this appearance? <laughs> oh, and J- oh, you, Jared's you can cut gotta this go. Part out of the podcast. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah, Jared's. Oh, Jared's oh. gotta go. Wait, what's that? Oh. <laughs> Breaking up. <laughs> you can. Hey, thanks for I having didn't... me. <laughs> we'll see you. <laughs> we'll see you, Jared. See you love around. you. I just said I love you on a podcast. I better cut that. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and before we move on, one more huge thanks to Hi Conrad, the author of that short story. Um, I picked it out because I thought it was really clever and having multiple details kind of be the solution. It wasn't just a single, ah, Simon didn't say, but there are a few things going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was delightful. I And I think uh, we'll probably end up uh, reading more of his stories in the future. Uh, yes, that's already significantly better than <laughs> most of the other ones we've done on this show. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I feel warmed up. I, I feel like I have my logical uh, f- faculties up in <laughs> Revan. So Ooh. I'm really excited, Nathan. Would you okay. would you like to take us away to the murder museum? Let's go. Okay. The murder museum looms in the setting sun, its windows scattering light across the budding trees. It's been a minute since your last visit, but you feel the compass in your pocket. You couldn't resist the call. Pushing through the doors to the lobby, you rub your eyes as they adjust to the dimness. It feels colder in here than it did out there. All at once, the lights spring on, and the curator is standing behind the front desk, nodding to you. Ah, welcome back. I can see you're ready for another mystery. Perhaps... He pauses. Yes, I think it's about time. Floor 3, room 27. He points to a spiral staircase. If you see an ivy-covered door, then you've gone too far. You climb up the staircase until you reach the third floor. After a bit of rambling, you find room 27. In the center of the room is a bar with an empty glass, lit by dark red candles. The bar is littered with scraps of newspapers. The headlines proclaim woes of, quote, the missing moonshine. Music is playing from somewhere, a lilting solo cello piece. You wander over to the bar and grab the glass. As you do, the cello music becomes more intense and everything turns to white. Your head hurts a lot. Ugh. Ow. <laughs> Hello? You open your eyes to see that your face is pressed against wooden floorboards. They're vibrating slightly. You pull, you pull your face off with a slight sticking noise and blink. Your vision's a little cloudy, but as it clears, you see that you're wearing long gray gloves stained at the end with what looks like black chalk, maybe ash. Oh, I thought you were going to say blood. <laughs> <laughs> you blink again, taking in the cacophony of sigils and symbols scrawled onto the floor of the room you're in. 
shattered glass sprayed here and there. It's a small cabin room, slim bed, curtains drawn across the window, and a sliding door behind you. And that rumbling. Hello, can, can you hear me? I have some very urgent questions if you don't mind me asking. You blink, trying to find the voice. Behind you stands a man dressed in overalls and wearing a dirty cap. His face is smeared with dirt, but his hands are remarkably clean. You can see me. Oh, that's a relief. <clears throat> you try to answer, but instead you just cough, your throat still sore. And the smoke, the smell of smoke is so strong, it's making you hard. It's making it hard to think. So you stand up, stumble to the window, and throw the curtain back. Nothing but open air greets you. Uh, yes, you see, I'm wondering if you could tell me a few things, said the man uh, coming over to you. Uh, who am I and how did I get here? Here. On an airship. Ah! I, was gonna, I was about to say, <laughs> give it to me straight, sir. Are we on an airship? <laughs> Rock on. <laughs> I, I, well, I would ask you the same thing. Who am I? What am I doing here? I don't rightly know. I need to know how I got here. He reaches out as if to shake you, but his hands go right through you. Ah. Why did you bring me here? Yes. You, you, whoever you are, appear to have summoned a ghost on an airship. What? <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Like two of my favorite things. I never thought I'd see them together. All right. I, I, keep, keep going, storyteller. Oh, it is all you now. Oh. You are dealing with a very exasperated ghost on an airship. Smells slight smoke in the air still. Okay. Just... Before I start interacting with things, just the briefest of inventories, do I still have a pocket Watson in one pocket? Ah, so you pat down yourself. You look, you have this nice, this long, complicated kind of trench coat jacket with zillions of pockets. So you pat around, you find, you do find pocket Watson. Good. You open him up and you see that he's slightly pixelated. In fact, uh, there's a little pixelated image of Pocket Watson, and then little small squares below. Empty little squares. So, thus. Do you stop there, or do you continue to essentially pat yourself down? <laughs> um, these blank spaces on Watson, do they look like places that letters in a word could go? Not particularly. Okay. Uh, I try speaking to Watson. I'm like, hey... Hey, buddy, you're, you're um, going to be with me for this, right? Oh, yes, I'm always here. His voice sounds, sounds kind of tinny, kind of kind of pixelated, if you Bit will. crushed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's definitely there. Awesome. I say, okay, thanks, bye, love you, and I close it. <laughs> and love oh you, too. <laughs> love you, too. Um, and then uh, this obsidian compass... Yes. So, in one of your other pockets, you see there is a small obsidian compass that you remember from your previous mystery, the gala exhibit. Uh, it's covered in strange symbols that you quite, can't quite tell what they are at the moment. Um, but as you continue to pat yourself down, you find some other things. Um, you find a business card. You find um, random little bits and bobs, small vials, bits of chalk. Uh, a small little metal block, um, some matches, a little um, turnip-shaped shaker of some sort with some s stuff inside, and a ticket. Okay, 
I got a lot of stuff on me. Mm-hmm. Let's look at that business card first. I, I'm, I'm going to look over to the ghost and say, hold that thought. <laughs> well, well, I... <laughs> He's I'm going to continue to examine my own pockets. But yeah, th- this business card, what is this? Okay, the business card says, Dr. Grace Quinn, Paranormal Investigator, San Francisco, California. Established 1923. Steampunk. Righteous. <laughs> Dr. Grace Quinn. That's me. Oh, I yeah. Think. Excellent. Okay. How about that turnip-shaped thing? Okay, so it's a little little shaker. There's little holes, so it looks like you can pour it out. You if you pour it out to your hand, uh-huh. uh huh. You take a little sniff. There's little white crystals. It's smelling salts. Smelling salts. Okay, yeah. possibly useful in some sort of ritual or hmm. Well, I have them. I might get to use them. We'll see. Uh, I have a chalk, uh, which. Uh, did you say the ground has like symbols? Yep. Okay. As you look, they are indeed chalk based. Some of them have turned black, um, but there's still some white symbols as well. Gotcha. And I'm assuming they're completely inscrutable to me. Yes, you have no idea what they mean. Cool. Um, you said I had a small metal block as well. Mm-hmm. It's a little little metal shiny block about size of a small candy bar. Okay. It's pretty hefty. Uh, uh, I hold it up to some other metal. Is it magnetic? It wait, is wait, wait. magnetic. It is okay. a magnet. Oh, it's a magnet. Hey, <laughs> I don't know what where the <laughs> other metal is, but awesome. Uh, cool. Okay. And then still, still kind of like pointing at the do- ghost saying, don't move. Don't move. I'm getting to you. Don't move. No, it's fine. Fellow dies, and you can just go rifle through your pockets, whatever. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to stop rifling through my pockets and start rifling through my bed. Uh, I assume that this is my room. I don't know. This might be a wrong assumption. <laughs> but uh, anything else in this room, especially around that area? Okay, so as you look around the room, um, again, there's the bed. Um, you peek under the bed, and you can see a small suitcase. Um, there is, again, the window leading to a very lethal landing. You can hear cello music somewhere in the air. I'm um, not coming from the room. It seems like it's coming from outside. So there's a door leading out. It's there's no window or anything, so you can't see what's out there. Um, and then also the very lifelike ghost who seems to be getting more upset by the minute. <laughs> um, okay. And how about this briefcase? I'd like to look inside. Okay, so you pull it out and you flip open the latches. Inside, um, you see there's iron chains or stuff under the iron chains but you'd have to like take out the chains to see what's in there there are iron like thick iron chains yeah like thick iron chains okay yep i'm gonna yep <laughs> okay, i'm gonna so- say hey ghosty can you give me a hand here <laughs> uh yeah well and he reached through it his hand goes right through the suitcase dag damn it why'd you go <laughs> do that it's like it wasn't a prank i wanted to see if you could help you take out the iron chains. Below, there's a change of clothes, some goggles, a little black ring. You know, if I didn't know it was steampunk before, I have goggles now. So now I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now I know. So I'm going to put on those goggles uh, immediately. Okay. As you pick up the goggles, you notice that there is something else weird about the bottom. There's like You can see a little corner of something peeking out from under the um, set of clothes. 
uh yeah uh i dig into that okay cool so you pull out the clothes and it looks like there is a little jackpot wheel built into the bottom it looks as if this is a false bottom of sorts so there's a little wheel um looks like a little jackpot wheel like on a um slot machine yep like a little jackpot wheel like on a slot machine with different little uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, there are four uh, spinning wheels, um, and taped below it in swirling handwriting are the words, their favorite. Their favorite. Mm-hmm. How many of these symbols are there? There's four. Four, uh, you said that already. Okay. Yeah. So you can change them, though. Okay, well, this feels very puzzly to me. I don't think I'm going to be able to brute force this uh, until I know who they are and know what their favorites are. So... Um, I'll remember this. You said there's a black ring. Can I, mm. can I examine that and possibly put that on? Uh, yep, you can examine that. It's just a little uh, silver ring with a little black stone in the center of it. As you put it on, the ghost actually backs away and is like, Oh, I, could you put that away? It makes it feel mighty uncomfortable. Okay, well, hmm. I'll put it in my pocket for now. I've, I've scared this ghost. I think it's time that I address him. And I say, welcome back to the land of the living. I would say thanks, but I'm not really sure if I should be thanking you or cursing you. Hmm, mm, there's probably time for both. Hey, so uh, do you know what your name is? Uh, he closes his eyes and concentrates. Harley. My name's Harley, but... Beyond that, I, d- I don't really remember much. Just f- flashes. He goes to sit on the bed and goes right through it. Ah, that's going to take some getting used to. Well, I mean, all things considered, I look out the window. At least you're not, like, staying in place. Otherwise, you'd be whoosh, straight through the wall. Yeah, lucky me, the dead guy. <laughs> yeah, you're re- real fortunate. You-, you have a good thing going for you. Hey, Harley, hi there. So, uh, what's the last flash you remember? Oh, gee. Well, I remember this airship. I remember drinking something. I remember, I remember some wood. Got getting real close up. Look at some wood. Yeah. Uh, does that help? You know, it very well might. Every little thing helps. Interesting. You drank something. You saw some wood. You died at some point. Now I'm hearing chill music. Oh, gosh. This is the weirdest trip of the afterlife I've ever seen. <laughs> I, ever think, I think you only get one. So. Oh, man. <laughs> maybe no, no use in comparing. <laughs> um, okay. So, Harley, as far as I can tell, I have just brought you back from the grave. I don't know why. What do you mean you don't know why? You're the one uh, <laughs> standing on the floor with the sigils and everything. Why would you go and bring a feller back when you don't know what to do with him? Uh, it could be you were murdered. Uh, it could be that you have some good information for oh. me. Well, this is stranger than an F-sharp in a C major scale, if you ask me. Um, I say F-sharp is a really colorful tone if you like that Locrian sound. In fact, some people consider Locrian to be even more uplifting than your your usual 
never mind. <laughs> wow, I didn't, I didn't know did you were a music doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, doctor of music. Uh, I well, I is that is that a southernism or were you a musician yourself? I don't rightly remember being all right. dead and all. <laughs> well, Harley, what do you what do you want from me? Do you want to go back to to the eternal rest? Do you know how to do that? No, sir. Dana thinks so. <laughs> well, I can learn things. That's what I'm here for. So, how about hey, if you wanna, if you wanna help me, uh, it it sounds like you're not thrilled to be here. Um, if you wanna to kind of maybe follow me around, I don't know. Or do you well, want to just stay here in this room? Got nothing better to do. That's what I want right. to hear. <laughs> That's what I like to hear, a reluctant Watson. We need more Watsons. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I guess I sort of just tell Harley, listen, man, if I can send you back to wherever you came from, I will do that. I am not currently equipped to do that. Um, but it actually, I'd, if you could answer any questions I have as honestly as you can, that will be an excellent place to start. I'll do my best. Awesome. Starting with this ring. And I put it on my finger and I hold it ah. a little bit closer than before. Ah. Ah. Stop that. <laughs> Want to explain how you're feeling right now? I'll, I'll stop. Feeling, feeling, feeling wrong. Feeling cold. Feeling gross inside. Don't like that. Need a button. Don't like it at all. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, I I apologize. I won't do that unless completely necessary. And I I put it in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, tisk, tisk. Well, here's a question for you. You going to read the back side of that business card? No. (laughs) I'm going to tuck it into my pocket, making eye contact. Yes, I'm going to read the back. I take it back out, and I flip it around. All right. Flip it back on the round. On the back, there's a handwritten note. Seems hastily scrawled, um, but it says, <clears throat> "Don't use the compass for more than fifty-three seconds. Get to the radio." Signed, G one nine eight seven. One nine eight seven. Yes. G. All right. Compass G. This is Genevieve. I uh, am going to open up the compass and see what happens. Okay, you open the compass up all the way. There is a slight snap, then a thundering silence. The sudden stillness actually makes you stumble a bit as you realize that the floorboards are no longer moving. You breathe, but your air comes out shallow, as as if you're at a high altitude. You look around. The clouds seem still. Harley is frozen in midair. Nothing is moving. The cello music has stopped. There is just nothing. I've frozen time. You have for a little bit at least. So, all right, I, f- I feel like Nathan's looking at a clock right now, so I close it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice I- try, mister. <laughs> I won't hit your 53 seconds. I don't know what you have in store for me, but it's not good. At 19 seconds, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the oh conference. gosh. Oh, that's all right. I I don't know why we're dealing with real time, but so we are. Here we are. Oh boy! And the rush of sound comes thundering back into you. So you hear the cello music again. The floor starts moving again. Harley's floating there, looking looking at you, funny. Whew. Um, 
Well, Harley, I think it's about time we look around. Got nothing better to do. All right. I... What you have in mind? The window or the door? <laughs> um, that that feels very like point and click uh, of him to say, but he does bring up an excellent point. I haven't really looked at the window or the, did I see the bedside table? Uh, there's nothing of interest, just the bed. Um, and you looked at the suitcase, so we're all good there. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I'll go back over to what you called a fatal fatal descent. What do you call that? Lethal landing. <laughs> a lethal landing. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I'll go over to the window. All right. Uh, you look out the window. Uh, up above you, you can see a giant balloon, um, as in a dirigible Zeppelin type thing. Um, and then below, it uh, looks like vast uh, wooded area. You're not quite sure where you are, um, but given that you're from California, there's pretty good chances you're in the area. Okay. Yeah, I'm from San Francisco. Is that what it said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Well, uh, to the door. Let's let's see what else we've got here. Okay, so you slide open the door. It slides open, um, and you are in a narrow hallway with three rooms on either side, including the one you just came from. On one end is a metal door with a sign that says cargo. On the other end is a sliding door with a window. Um, there's also a painting uh, hung on the wall. And the cello music is louder out here. It seems to be coming through um, the door with the window. Okay. Before you go anywhere, you got to admire the art. You got to stop and and sniff the roses. Oh, yeah. So uh, you look at the painting. It's titled Last Sunrise. Um, It looks like a classic Egyptian river scene, uh, complete with like a sundial, a pyramid, a riverboat floating past. That's very nice. Kind of idyllic. Sundial? Yeah. Um, Immediately suspicious of everything, I'm going to take (laughs) my finger and just poke the picture on the sundial. Your finger hits paint and nothing happens. I'm going to take my hand and brush it across the frame. (laughs) Now what are you doing that for? I don't know. You're the strangest detective I ever saw. Well, you're the first ghost I ever saw, so shut your yap. (laughs) Paranormal investigators in your title. What do you mean I'm the first ghost? I'm your first one? I'm pretty new, okay? Well, this Uh. is greater than a barrel of beans on a Tuesday. Okay. All right, Nathan. All right, all right. Hey, remind me again. On this, you said there's a pyramid, a sundial, and what else? Uh, a riverboat. Okay, just in case that becomes important. A lot of detail. Mostly things that have detail are important. All right. Um, do the doors in this hallway have names on them? Ooh, they do not. Um, but as yeah, they don't. <laughs> but and nothing. <laughs> okay. I think I will go to where I know there is someone else, and that is towards the cello music, so the door with the window. Okay. So uh, are you going through the door or just looking through the window? I mean, I'll, I'll be cautious, but I doubt there's anything on the other side dangerous. I, I'll give it a look <laughs> and then probably pass through. 
Okay, cool. Um, so you look through. It's a large space with a few scattered round tables. Um, on one end is a bar with a metal automaton. In the opposite corner is a player piano, currently silent. Uh, along the ceiling, there are brass pipes with clear glass sections. There's some other large, strange brass contraption hanging down from the ceiling. But uh, most uh, engaging is the fact that there is a woman playing a cello in front of the player piano. Uh, surrounding her are who you assume the other passengers are. Um, as you open the door, a man in khaki uh, stands and slips by you, too. Doesn't seem to acknowledge Harley at all. The other uh, people there, there is a woman in a purple veil reading a book, um, while the other is a man in a slightly crumpled uniform who s- appears to be dozing. I'd like to note how you just casually said there's an automaton in this room, <laughs> considering my last mystery that was like the whole thing that was the entire deal (laughs) and you're just like and i did it too it's there you know get ready for payback (laughs) Uh, i go over to him and i I see if he has a a wire that i can yank out of his skull i'm not Uh, gonna do that alas (laughs) nathan gave me a look like but you could (laughs) Okay, well, but I I do I do think I'm gonna walk over to where the ta- passengers are sitting down. Before that, what does this automaton look like? It looks like same size as human. Is it like, yeah, doing some action? Uh, so it looks uh, human sized. Um, they there's even uh two there's two big guys. There's even a little mustache kind of glued on to the face. Um, okay. it's wearing like a little barkeep apron sort of thing. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, but it looks powered down. Like, its head is slumped forward uh, against the bar. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to sit down and listen to the cello. Okay. Um, The cello piece is riveting, lilting. After a few minutes, the pace kind of quickens. It looks like it's the cellist, um, a woman in a uh, long blue elegant dress um, with fingerless gloves. It looks like the it turns into a different movement, so it's getting more fast-paced, more fast-paced. Um, as it reaches a climax, the door behind you that you came through slams open, and the man in khakis um, yells at the top of the lungs, Everyone to the cargo, quick! Ah, I believe there has been a murder! I don't say that out loud. That'd be suspicious. All right. <laughs> I think I joined the gaggle. I assume everyone gets yep. up and... Everyone drops what they're doing. Um, the uh, person in the crumpled uniform kind of like shakes himself awake and <clears throat> stumbles slowly after everyone. As you follow everyone, you enter past the hallway and you enter the cargo hold. The man in khaki pushes open the door first um, and everyone else follows. Uh, What you see is a chaotic menagerie of crates and trunks kind of haphazardly tossed around the room. Um, There's some shards of glass scattered across the floor, but the man in khaki continues forward towards the back of the cargo hold where the body of a man is slumped across a large crate. A large cake would be pretty (laughs) cool too, though. Oh, man. As you get closer you realize that you recognize the body. It's Harley. Well, how do you like that, whispers Harley. Nothing like seeing your own corpse to really bring you to terms with your own mortality, 
or lack thereof. <laughs> There's no time for riddles. I'll explain what you're here for. Find the radio, and remember, 53 seconds. <laughs>